just begin by saying thank you to so many of you who were part of our great day of service last week and you got to see kind of the video of just some of the things that were done. And one of the things that I really, really love about that day is just connections. Like it ties into that word connections of being able to connect with people because of the service that happens. And so when you serve along somebody else, like there is a connection that happens. Like we're trying the same task. We're working for the same goal. I maybe have never met you before, but now there's a bond that happens just because we are serving together. So I love the connection that happens with the people that you serve with. I also love the connection that happens with the people that you serve. And so some of you got to interact with maybe the homeowners if you were at a home. Um, some of you maybe didn't as much, and yet there's still a little bit of connection, or even the people that would come and bring bread and pray for individuals saying, what can we come alongside of you? The connection that is made with those that you get to serve. But maybe even more than both of those, I love the connection that happens between us and Jesus when we serve. Like when we are obeying in this thing that he has called us to do, there is a connection that we have that isn't present when we're not choosing to serve. And I'm not saying that every minute of every hour you're serving in that way, but man, when we serve, there is a connection with him. And I just think about the power of this word serve and everything that happens there. And then I think about, as we're talking about serving, how that word definitely connects to being a mom, like so many moms, like when you're involved with, with this responsibility that God has given to you, it is all about serving, all about giving love. And so even there, I like the video that, that they talked about at the beginning and just said this idea that we get to celebrate you today. We get to praise you. We get to put you up, you know, and show everyone off going, man, thank you for the things that you have done. And it said, because you are shining examples of what it means to be a great mom. And I like those words because sometimes like we go, but I messed up here. Like, I wish that I could be perfect, but I feel like in this one area, I didn't get it. Or like, sometimes I'll hear a sermon on Mom's Day or for us, Dad's Dad, Father's Day, and just this idea of, but I don't feel like I, I hit this bar. And sometimes I walk away feeling frustrated. And it's like, no, like God just calls us to be great moms and dads. And so there is no such thing as a perfect parent except that. Like last week, someone showed me something on the internet, all right? And so you know if it's on the internet, it has to be true, right? And so anyway, uh, you know, talking about this idea of being a perfect parent and, and, and all this kind of stuff, someone said, hey, you need to look at this website. And so I clicked on it and found it. And this is, I guess there is a chance of being a perfect parent. Take a look, okay? I didn't touch it at all. Like it's on the internet. Now just to let you guys know what happened was, CIY talked with me and so like I did a podcast with them and we were talking about parents and ministry and they are doing this series about the perfect youth volunteer and the perfect student leader and the perfect parent. And, but if you knew nothing else, like that just seems like I'm the perfect parent, I will tell you, my wife and my kids will tell you I am not, okay? So like that is completely untrue. But this idea, like sometimes I think we, we wanna be this perfect parent, which is an okay goal, but like know that no matter what faults you have, what failures you had, those moments that I was like, ah, I wish I could take that back, that God has got you there to invest in your kids and you will be a great parent as you continue to follow after him. So I love this idea of just simply being a shining example of being a great parent, but then not just that, but then it says, but then you get to be this beautiful reflection of who God is. This beautiful reflection of who God is, which immediately makes me think of Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, where it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male 
and female, he created them. So all of us are created in God's image. And then I even think about in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, where Paul is saying, hey, I want you to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so in both of these things, I see that we are beautiful reflections. And so moms, you get to be this beautiful reflection to anyone who's watching, specifically to your kids, of who God is. I get to show you in, in many different ways. And so then it talked about some of the different ways. The idea that you provide for us, like God provides for us and you have provided for your kids in so many ways. And so for some of you, it has to do financially. Like I provide for you in this way of being able to take care of you. Moms, you also provide for your kids in a physical type of way. And what I mean by that is you have a knack for knowing everything that needs to be done. Like, okay, you need to think through this detail. We need to make sure we have these clothes. We need to be ready for this in the day. But some of us dads are like, well, it would have happened somehow, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so you have this way of just being able to provide for your kids in this physical manner. I think about even emotionally. Like, man, when things are going on, who often do our kids run to? And mom, will you help me through this? And maybe just be the shoulder to cry on. And so you're there helping your kids along emotionally. And I even think about this idea of spiritually. And just, hey, let's, let me show you who Jesus is through my actions. You know, maybe there's time to pray. Let's open up. Here's a devotion. Here's God's word. You know, how do we see God in this? And so there are these moments that you continually get to show who God is, these reflections of him. But it doesn't just stop with providing. It talked about how you've guided us, and it says you help us navigate through the big things and the small things. Just over and over, you walk alongside of us to help us to know what to do in those moments, which even then just brought me back to this question. Like, what kind of questions or big question did you go to mom with? Like, mom, there was this time in my life, and I don't know what to do here. Will you help me with this? And maybe there were so many that's like, none of them just stand out, but I knew that I would constantly go and just ask these questions. And so mom was one or continues to be one, no matter what kind of stage of life you are in, that continues to help guide me in the direction that I need to go. It talked about this idea of, Mom, you have shown us patience. Man, patience. You know those things that you had to tell me 20 times before it finally sunk in, that I finally got it? Like, just the fact that you wanted me to be able to grow and to learn from my mistakes. And so there were times that you could have come and, and, and fixed it at the moment, but I wouldn't have learned. And so you came alongside of me to help me to understand, you know, what the bigger picture is. Like, yes, you want to be able to have the best third grader possible, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that you raise children who grow up to be young men and women who know who Jesus is. And so that's the ultimate goal. So as I continue to parent, like, I'm going to see that. And man, that is something that requires patience. And how often do we get to see mom being patient? And sometimes it's not until later that we look back and go, man, she was in so many different circumstances that I didn't even see while I was growing up. You know, I talked in the video about this idea of you showed me forgiveness. You showed me grace when I did mess up. And you helped me to understand that that's not who I was. Like whatever my fault was, whatever my failure was, that's not what defined me. But you helped me to understand that I'm accepted and you to remind me who I am and whose I am. And that made all the difference in the world. Or even just simply being present. You know, and the thing, they're playing video games with or something, but just this idea that you were always with me, you were walking side by side with me, the time investment that you put, and you were available. And just thinking about how often moms put in the moment what I'd really love to do for myself, just to the side, to come alongside and help out their kids, because their kids are so important to them. 
And at the end, it just talked about, you loved me with this unconditional love that can only come from God, that it can't come from anywhere else. But because of this love through God, I got to experience it. And with all of that, I simply want to say thank you. So I love the message there. And even just talking through those things, like in a group this size and so many people watching online right now, like I know there are a lot of you that as I talk through those things, there are images that popped up in your mind that your mom has done or continues to do that just you relate with. I also know in a group this size, there are some of us that would say, you know what, I have some of those memories, but my time with my mom was cut shorter than I would like. And so I wish I could have so many more memories. I'm thankful for the ones that I had. Man, I wish I could have more. And then I also know that there are some that would say, you know what, I don't have some of those fond memories. Or even right now, there's just this tension between us. And so it's a little bit of a struggle, even feeling kind of this Mother's Day thing. And one of the things that I've observed, though, is if that's your situation, there's usually someone else that has come into your life that you kind of see in that motherly role that they're the ones that you go to and, hey, what can I do here? And they're the ones that come alongside and continue to show you forgiveness and acceptance and love and guide you. And so I just think about all these things and how God has set up this relationship. And so then I think about how many women right now in this room get to be in that role of being a mom and you get to show beautiful reflections of God to your kids. And I think about how many women in this room, okay, may not be the physical mother, but you get to take on that role to somebody else to continue to show them who Jesus is. You walk alongside them in this life. Man, that relationship between mom and child is so special. And today I want to look at two individuals that have that relationship um, that we get to see glimpses of God through it all. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ruth. All right, to the book of Ruth. It's in the Old Testament. And what you need to know is this is happening during the time of the judges. So the Israelites, they are now in the promised land. And these judges are not judges maybe like you think of, but they're more like military style leaders. And what would happen is the people of Israel, they were living in their area, in the land, and everything would be going well. But then at some point, their hearts would start to turn from God. And maybe they would worship another God or they would start just going, we can do this ourselves. And so God would allow them to be taken over by another country so to speak. And so they would be in either slavery or servitude. And so for a certain amount of time, they would be doing things that this other country would be in charge of until they finally cried out to God, this supplication. They would say, God, we need saved. We have messed up. We are sorry. And so God would then send a judge, a military type leader to come in and help free them to where then they were saved. And they got to experience this salvation, this freedom for so many amount of years until their hearts would change again. And the cycle would happen again and again and again throughout the book of Judges. And even as you go through and you watch the people that God would send, like you kind of look at their lifestyles and it seems like each time it's even a little less godly. And so all this was happening and you're like, man, what's going on? But at this time, you get to see a glimpse, a godly glimpse of a relationship that people were following after God. And so in the book of Ruth, just starting at the very beginning, we're just going to kind of read and see these, uh, this relationship. So chapter 1, the first two verses says this, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab 
and they lived there. So our characters here, we've got um, Elimelech with his wife Naomi, and then Malon and Kilion are the sons. And what you need to know is that they are from Bethlehem, which is in Judah, but there's a famine going on. And so they decide we are going to go to Moab. That's about 30 miles to the border. It's also on the other side of the Dead Sea. So apparently the famine was not affecting the land over there. I don't know if they just went to the edge or they went in further, but they say, this is what we're going to do. God's going to take care of us. So we're going to move to Moab. So we'll keep reading verses three through five. It says, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And so as you hear this, things are kind of rough because Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies, but her two sons then are able to marry two women from Moab, and things seem to be going okay, but about 10 years into it, they both pass away as well. And the big thing here is that they have no children. It's not even no, no males, but no children whatsoever to continue on their line. And so that is a big deal. And so now they've got to figure out what are they going to do. And so reading on, verses 6 and 7. It says, when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living, and she set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And so Naomi hears, hey, we're now in a time frame where the famine is not going on and God is taking care of his people. So I don't know if that's a time where people have been freed, you know, if you're matching that up with the judges, but in some way, God, uh, she had heard that God is taking care. And so it's time to go back. Let's go there so he can continue to take care of us. And so they get ready. They prepare to leave because again, they know that in this situation, the three of us, like life is not really great at the moment. Like we're going to have to stick together to make it because we don't have men in our lives to be able to provide for us, which is something in their culture that was a pretty big deal. It's a lot different than today, but just understand that this was a big deal with them at this moment. And so we then read this starting in verse eight. It says, then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband and then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. And they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. And so Naomi says, hey, you guys, you really should just stay. And it's not because I don't care about you, but I'm looking here, and it is bleak. And you can choose to stay here and find another husband. You have been faithful to me. You have been faithful to your husbands. I'm not holding you to this relationship anymore. Like, I want you to be able to stay here. And they're like, no. We're going with you. There's genuine concern and love in this relationship between these three ladies. And so then we keep reading, starting in verse 11. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. It says, at this, they wept again. And then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. 
Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. And so again, Naomi is saying, you ladies really should stay. Like, I understand Jewish customs and the idea that I may have a son again someday that then could carry on our family line, but do you realize how long that is? And do you understand the chances of this? And so instead, I really do want you to be able to have a life for yourselves here still in Moab. She says, God has been against me. And so through all this conversation, Orpah says, all right, I'll stay. But even in that moment, did you hear the weeping? Still this heartbreak of the separation, but saying, okay, I'm going to do as you've asked. But Ruth, it says she clung to her. And even there, Naomi is still like, look, why don't you stay with your people, with your gods, just as Orpah is doing? But Ruth is about to answer in maybe the most famous words from the book of Ruth that people have heard before. So starting in verse 16, we read this. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So here we have this love, this connection between these two women that just continues to stay. So much so that Ruth is like, wherever you go, I'm there. Wherever you set up your house, again, wherever you stay, I am going to stay. In fact, to the point of someday, wherever you die, that is where I will die. I will stay with you. Your people are now going to become my people. And even bigger that, the God that you worship will become my God. And so the two continue to stay together and they care for one another. And from that point on, like they really are continuing to be there. And so Naomi may give Ruth some advice and Ruth follows up with it, doing everything that she asks. And God's hand is over it all. But if you were to ask Naomi at this point, she probably doesn't see it. In fact, when they're going back, she says, I don't want people to call me Naomi anymore. I'd rather be called Mara because that means bitter. And I just have seen God's hand against me all this time. And so call me this as we go back to Bethlehem. And so that's the state that she's in, but she's about to see God's work. And so they get back and Ruth says, hey, let me go out and glean in the fields. What that means is let me go and get food to provide for us. And we talked about this in the treasure principle that you could go into people's fields and get some of the leftover food to be able to uh, make sure that you were cared for. And so she goes into this field with some workers and things like that. And while she's there, it just happens to be the field of a man named Boaz, who is actually a relative to Elimelech. And so she's working in the fields and Boaz at one point says, hey, who is that woman over there? And so they tell her, this is who she is. She is Ruth. She came with Naomi and all those kind of things. And so Boaz goes up to Ruth and says, I want you to continue to come to my field. I know you have the option to go to any field, but I want you to come here because you will be safe as long as you come to this field and you'll be able to take the food that you need. He even tells his workers, I want you to leave a little bit extra food on you know, the stock so that, that way she can have that. I want you to take care of her. And so all of this situation is going on, and she says, why are you watching out for me? And he simply says, because I've heard of how you have left your people, and you have stayed by the side of Naomi, how you've continued to care for her. And so may God bless you in all of this. 
And at the end of the day, she takes home all of this extra food. And, and Naomi's like, how did you get so much? And so she then tells, you know, I was at the field of Boaz and he watched out for us. And, and at this point, Naomi says, you need to continue to go there. And the words that she says is that God has shown us kindness. You know what? In this spot, she's been hurting. She's been struggling through the difficulties, but she sees that God's hand is on it and he has shown us kindness. And so then if you continue to watch, she continues to go back there. And eventually, Naomi tells Ruth, hey, you ought to essentially ask Boaz if he'll marry you, if he'll provide for us, if we can continue the family line through him. And so to do this, you need to go and lay at his feet while he's sleeping in the middle of the night, okay? And so that was the engagement kind of process. If you are trying to think about getting engaged sometime soon, I would not recommend this, all right? You, know, you wake up, someone's at your feet, what's going on? But that's part of the practices that were going on. And so Boaz wakes up and he sees Ruth at the bottom and they have a conversation. And she says, would you consider this? He says, wow, to think of me like I am much older than you, but I am, I'm honored. But he said, I would be glad to, except there is someone who actually has family rights, who is closer in family to you that gets first dibs to be able to do this. So I will check with him tomorrow. And so they do. They go to the town center. They have some elders there. And he says, hey, Naomi is selling her plot of land. Would you like to buy this? And the man says, yeah, that'd be great. And then Boaz says, oh, and you also will get his widow and Ruth. And he says, yeah, I'm good. Why don't you buy it? And so Boaz says, I will. So at that point, he buys the property. He then gets to marry Ruth. And God's hand continues to be over it, so much so that then Ruth has a son. And in chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, here's what we read. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout all Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. And so you see that she's now experiencing joy. She totally can see how God's hand has been through all of it. And what's really neat is as you watch the line of this son, he gets to be in the line of King David, who as you continue the line for many, many years down, is in the line of Jesus. Ruth gets to be part of that story. And so all of this is God's providence, you know, watching over everything. But I even think about as I'm watching here, man, they had to go through a difficult journey. Like sometimes we think, well, if God's watching over me, everything's going to be perfect. And that's not the case. But you can often look back and see God's hand was on it all. He had me during the difficult times. And what's really excellent to me is that there were eternal results. Because here is Ruth, someone who had been worshiping other gods, and she got to know the true God and be part of his story. And then I just take a step back again because I said we're looking at these two women and the relationship that they have. And we talked about this idea of being beautiful reflections of God and over and over and over again, you get to see these two women and how much they care for one another, how much they love one another, how much they serve the other person, even when it would have been easier at that moment just to do their own thing. There are times that I've got your back. And through all of that, through their serving one another, we get to see glimpses of Jesus. Moms, there are so many times that you serve your kids, your families, that when we step back, we get to see glimpses of Jesus through you. And I'd encourage you to keep that up. And just like God created all of us in his image, we all have that opportunity to show glimpses of Jesus through our life. But then I also think about Jesus. 
And when you talk about the word serve, that's what he chose to do for us. He chose to leave heaven, to put on flesh, to live here on this earth, to go through this death that would then pay the price that all of us could live with him for eternity. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And so his entire life of serving continued to point to the Father. And so one, maybe today is the day that it's like, I want to follow after him. Like, I want Jesus to be the one to be able to give me joy, even in the difficult moments of life, for me to be able to have purpose. And I want to experience this life for eternity. And if that's you, then during this moment of this song, I'd encourage you to go to one of the decision points. But for the rest of us, may we just be encouraged that, you know, serving isn't just one day a year. But even in those minutiae moments that maybe you're frustrated because you've told your kid the seventh time to do something and they're still not getting it or whatever it is, that we continue to show Jesus' love and forgiveness and you never know when that light will make a difference to someone. So let's make that our lifestyle this week. So as we stand and we sing, let's give all praise and glory to him. Let's sing.